Well, good morning, Willow. How y'all doing? Y'all good? Y'all good? Listen, can you just take 30 seconds and thank the God of your salvation for blessing you to be in a new day? Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Let's give God glory. God, we magnify your name. God, we bless you. We lift your name high from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same one. God, you're worthy to be praised. Give God glory in this place. He's worthy this morning. He woke you up this morning. He put breath in your body this morning. He started you on your way this morning. That means he's worthy this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ah, God, you are so good. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to 50 degree weather, Chicago, Barrington to give God glory. Amen. It is a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. It is a blessing to have breath in our body. It is a blessing to be awake this morning, alive, filled with his glory. It is a blessing to gather together with the fellowship of faith, with the fellowship of faith so that we might open up God's word and allow the creator of all things, once again, to speak to us. He's speaking today through the book of Mark, chapter 10. Begin reading at verse 17. Book of Mark chapter 10, begin reading at verse 17. As we conclude the series on new math. Now, I've got to be honest. When Steve called and said, I need you to preach on new math, I thought, oh, Lord, I don't know math. I don't even know the old math. I definitely don't know the new math. Yeah, man, I can't, I can't help my kids with their homework. They help me with mine. I... I I said, Steve, I didn't go to no regular college. I went to Bible college. My math class was the book of numbers. Uh, but he says, no, no. And then he explained it to me. And I thought, okay, all right. Well, we, Mark chapter 17, chapter 10, verse 17. We, we'll be able to get through it. Uh, chapter 10, verse 17. We'll, we'll conclude at verse 22. Hear these words of our father. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You should not give false testimony. You should not defraud. Uh, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this great church. Thank you for the leadership of this church. God, your hand is on this place. Now, Father, your children have gathered to listen. So speak, O oh Lord, like only you can. 
Tune our ears to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly. Turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us in these moments together. God, it's to that end that I ask that you stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you would have us say, know, and do. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Father, would you get glory in this place? In Jesus' name. Every heart said amen. I um, love going to the movies. Uh, as a matter of fact, Monday's my usual day off, and I would go into a movie uh, theater and just pick my movie, and I'd just relax and, and, and just take it in. I, I love going to the movies. But what I don't like is going to see a movie that doesn't have a happy ending. Uh, yeah, and I know people are like, well, no, Albert, sometimes everything doesn't end happy in real life, so it's, it's realistic, it's, it's, it's theatrical, but it's, it's, it's modifying and it's reflecting real life. Listen, I didn't come to the movies for real life. If, if I want real life, I'll go back home. That's real life. I, I have drama and tragedy happening all around my house. I don't need that. When I come to the movies, I want fairy tale. I want fantasy. I want naivete. I want, I, want, I want to be blissfully ignorant of the ills of the world. She ain't got to die at the end. I want everybody to live at the end. I want everybody to live happily ever after. If I'm going to come to the movies and I'm going to pay $10,000 for a Coke and some popcorn and entry. You know what I'm saying? Like if I wanted to see someone break down, I'd go to my Aunt Mamie's house. You know what I'm saying? I didn't come for that. I came to be willfully, blissfully, naively fooled into believing everything turns out fine. You know what I mean? Anybody else like that? Anybody else like the movie? That's, that's, that's how I am. That's how I am. That's how I am. Um, um, if, if you like that, um, you... You're probably not going to like this sermon. Because um, this is just one of those few times in the Gospels when you see Jesus walking on the earth and engaging people. It usually ends well. It usually ends with this happy ending. A blind guy walks up. He walks away. He's seeing. What's up, y'all? I can see. Like, that's usually what happened. There was a dead person. There was a funeral. Now it's turned into a birthday party. You know what I mean? Like, like that's what happens. Usually, folks walk away from Jesus, healed, feeling better, walking. Like, it's crazy. Not this time. This is actually one of the few times in Scripture where you experience the sad reality of someone being invited in by Jesus and them literally rejecting his invitation. This is one of the few times in Scripture where it's not like when Matthew, he says, Matthew, come follow me, and Matthew throws away his spreadsheet as a tax collector and comes and follows Jesus. This is one of those times, and you don't see it very often in the life of Jesus. You, you don't see it very often. This is one of the few times where he gives someone an individual specific invitation, and they look at him, And they walk away from him. What makes him walk away? That's what I want to talk about today. Why would someone walk away from a divine invitation from Jesus? He described himself. 
He wore these labels, rich, young, ruler. He was wealthy. He was powerful. He was young, full of energy, and full of life. Yet he came to Jesus looking for something. He came to Jesus longing for something. Jesus says, well, you know the commandments. You follow them all. You rich young ruler, you've come to me. And he says, yeah, I know the commandments, and I've kept them since I was a little boy. I've, I've done it all, and I got it all right. You can just tell he was one of those kids that was an overachiever in class. Like he always did his homework, always did well on his tests, always turned the papers in. He was a great performer. He, he got it done. He did what he was supposed to do. He followed the law to the T. This is the kid in class when you had a big essay due and you get to the last five minutes of class and the teacher hadn't asked you to turn it in. And it's almost as if she's going to go and not even ask you to turn it in. And all of a sudden, here comes this kid raising his hand. Oh, Miss Johnson, Miss Johnson, what about our papers? Don't you want us to turn in our papers? I hated that kid. I'm going to beat that kid up because I hadn't done my paper. And I had been praying all day for a lapse in Miss Johnson's memory. He was an overachiever. So he looks at God and he says, he says, Jesus, he says, I've done all of that. I've kept it. And then Jesus says, okay, well, there's only one thing left for you to do. Sell everything you have. Give the money to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. And then follow me. He says, come follow me. Get rid of all the stuff. Sell it. Give it to the poor. And I'll give you another treasure. I've got something greater for you. I'll give you another treasure. You're not going to leave. You're not going to be empty-handed. I'm going to give you another treasure. It's just going to be a different kind of treasure. And then I'm not going to leave you empty-handed. And watch this. I'm not even going to leave you by yourself. As a matter of fact, once you get rid of all that stuff, come, follow me. Join my crew. I'm sorry, crew, uh, a gathering of people that have committed to walk with one another so that you might journey alongside one another. Um, crew. Um, join my crew. And Jesus, Jesus gives him this divine, beautiful invitation that many had heard and accepted. Others were walking with Jesus, wished they would invite him. He hears the invitation. And the Bible says he's sad because he knows when he hears it, I can't do that. The Bible says the reason why he couldn't do it is because he had so much stuff. And at the end of the day, to tell the truth, he was more committed to his stuff than he was to the Jesus that was inviting him to follow him. We've been talking about this idea of new math. Of, of reorienting ourselves and our things and our money so that we might not ourselves find ourselves tied to our things and not trusting in our God. But I've come to tell you today, the only way that you can experience new money is for you to experience a new identity, a new grace, and a new source. I will argue in the next few minutes, 23 minutes, 17, 16, 15 seconds. Um, it's, I mean, it's the last service of the day. I don't know why we need a clock, but there it is, counting me down. 
And here I am ignoring it. Um, I, I, I think his, in order for us to experience this new math and this new thing God is trying to invite us into, you can't do it with your old identity. And you can't do it like the rich young ruler performing and keeping the law the whole, your, whole, your whole life. And you can't do it if you see your money and your things as your source, not as your God. Number one, he comes to give us a new identity. In order for us to walk in the reality of this new math, we've got to have a new identity. Listen to how he talked about himself. Listen to how he described himself. Even the society did it. They all saw him, and they, before they saw his heart, before they saw they, his soul, they saw the labels that they put on him. Listen, listen at the descriptors. Rich, young, ruler, wealthy, young, powerful. He, he not only took on the labels that the world gave to him, but he then lived into them. He, he lived into the labels. There's one thing that for the world to label you. If you live in this world, they're going to label you. They're going to put descriptions on you. They're going to put names on you. They're going to put tags on you. They're going to put labels on you. It's another thing for you then to wear those labels. And then once you start wearing them, you begin to live into them. They begin to shape your identity. Instead of living into what was in you by the creator, you live into what was put on you by the world. Ah, that was good. Let me say that again to this side. Instead of living into what was put in you by the creator, you start living into what was put on you by the world. Don't you know when God created you, he put all the goodness inside of you. He put purpose in you. He put promise in you. He put his plan in you. He put his will in you. He put his glory in you. When he made you, girl, he broke the mold and said, there is nobody else like you. Brother, there's nobody else like you. He made you unique and in his image. He put greatness inside of you. He put it inside of you. But instead of living into the greatness that he put inside of you, you start living into the labels that people put on you. Ugly. Insecure. Useless. Not enough insufficient, just like your daddy. You will be nothing. You are a failure. You live into those labels. Some of you, you're smart. And just because they told you you were smart, now you feel like that's your identity and I got to be the smart one in the room. So, so what happens to me if I'm not the smartest one in the room? No, I've got to be the smartest one in the room. So you start to overwork and overachieve so you can live into the label of being the smart one. You got to be the overachiever. You're going to be the successful one in the family. You're going to do big things. You're going to be better than your brother and sister. So all your life, you're trying to be better because you know that's what they're expecting of you. And you have a crisis when you don't perform well because your identity is tied to what you do. Your identity is tied to your ability to perform well and confound expectations because that's who you were always told that you would be. Some of you, you had a third grader and a little boy said something about you, about the way you look, and you've been insecure about the way you look ever since the third grade. And now here you are, a full-grown woman, and the voice of a naive, snot-nosed third grader is louder than the lover of your soul and the creator, the Lord, God, king of your life. 
He says you're beautiful, you can't hear it. But they say you're ugly and you wear it like it's your name tag. God says I've come to give you a new identity. I've come to give you a new identity. I've come to change who you are. Some of us are wearing the labels when we should be wearing his glory. God says, the first thing I want to do is give you your identity back. Give you, call you back to who I created you to be. Call you back to who I made you to be. You are not your mistakes. You are not your failures. And guess what? You are not your successes. You are not your accomplishments. You are the beloved of God. Some of you, you still think you're what you did. You still think that you're the product of your guilt and your shame. So you wear shame and you wear guilt from your past. And God says, I've come to redeem your identity. You're not just a rich young ruler. You were made in my image. Uh, I can tell y'all ain't getting it. Let me say it another way. I can say, let me say it another way. There's a, there's a story that Max Lucado wrote. Uh, it's a children's book. Uh, it's one of my favorites, but I've kind of remixed it a little bit. I, I call it the you, little young wicker people. Uh, and the wicker people are in the wicker world. Uh, and the wicker people were made out of this fine kind of wicker wood. Um, and the, the social economy of this world was based off of really performance. Uh, so if you performed really well, if you were really good at something, they'd give you a star. So if you could run really fast and you came in first place... They'll give you a star. Uh, now, the problem with this world is not only did you get a star if you did perform well, but if you performed poorly, you get a dot. There was one little boy who had all the ambi- ambition in the world, but absolutely no talent at all. He would try to come in first, run, come in first. He'd come in last, and they'd give him a dot. He'd try to jump high and jump and, jump and fall and, and scrub his wood up. They'd give him another dot. As a matter of fact, y'all, after a while, he had so many dots, people started giving him dots for having so many dots. <laughs> then one day he has what I like to call, he, he sees this, this, what I like to call this, this fine wicker woman. Uh, uh, she was flawless. She was perfect. She didn't have one blemish on her. I would call her a brick house, uh, but it would mess up the metaphor because she's actually made of wood, so it's hard to be a brick house when you're made of wood. So I was like... That could confuse the people. So, so this, this fine wicker woman, and somebody saw how, how spotless, how perfect she was, and they went to her, and they put a star on her, and the star fell off. And they, they said, wait a minute. And they go, and they put a star on her again, and the star fell off. Then, then they got an attitude. It was like, man, and then they put a dot on her, and the dot fell off. Well, when the little dotted boy saw that, he looked and he said, oh my God, how did you do that? And she said, do you really want to know? He said, look at me. Of course I want to know. She said, okay, if you really want to know, meet me here first thing in the morning and I'll show you. He was there, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, tiptoe anticipation, could not wait for her to get there. She comes, she says, you ready? He says, I'm ready. She says, okay, we're going to the wicker maker's house. His face immediately dropped. He says, the wicker maker's house? I can't go to the wicker maker's house looking like this. 
He made me, and, I, and look what I've done. I, all these scratches and blemishes and dots. He can't see me like this. I can't go to the Wickermaker's house. She says, you've got to come. I've already told him. He's expecting you. So he decides to go. He goes, but he's nervous. He's scared, and each step closer, the nerves rise to the point where he gets to the door, and he says, I can't go in there. And he turns away, and he walks away. And when he walks away, the wicker maker speaks to him and says, come in, my son. I've been waiting for you. The little boy looks up. He goes into the wicker maker's house. The wicker maker sits him down, and they begin what would last for three to four hours, laughing, crying, telling stories, singing songs. They had the most amazing time. And as it came time for them to go, the wicker maker looked at the boy and said, listen, I want you to come and I want you to sit with me every morning. The little boy looked up and said, every morning? He says, yes, every morning. He says, okay. And as he walks away, he looks back at the wicker maker. See you in the morning. The wicker maker says, I can't wait. And when the boy takes one step outside of the house, he closes the door, and a dot falls off. Because in the presence of the wicker maker, the dots and the stars of the world fall off in his presence. Uh, if y'all got it early, I won't have to preach as long. Y'all, y'all see where I'm going with this? Well, what I'm telling you is I don't care what labels have been put on you. I don't care what the world has said about you. I don't care how you've been marked. Don't live into the labels. Live into the presence of God because in the presence of the almighty God, the stars and the dots of this world fall off in his presence. So if you've been walking with the labels on you, I'm telling you, get in the presence of God. His glory will cause those labels to fall off. You're more than just a wife. You're more than just Mom, you're more than just a dad. You're more than your guilt. You're more than your past. You're more than your success. You're more than your failure. You are the beloved of God. You are made in his image. You are his righteousness. You are marvelously and wonderfully made. You're more than just a rich young ruler. You're more than just a broke old ruler. You are the beloved of God. You are made in his image. And God is saying, I've come to give you a new identity. Not only does he give a new identity, but out of this new identity comes a a grace, a grace that's that's not based off my performance. I'm I'm not being judged daily to get stars or dots to, to impress God. I don't have to live in a way that hopefully impresses God in a way where he can bless me. I don't have to show and come and show my assets and my my resume and all that I've accomplished in hopes that God would be so impressed. See, the rich young ruler, my fear is that he was impressed with his own credentials. And then he expected God to be impressed like he was. Some of us, our accomplishments, we're so impressed with them. You're so impressed with your morality. Father, I've done everything right. And the problem with doing everything right is when you do everything right, you expect a star. And that's not how the economy of God works. Some of us, we think if I just do everything right, then I won't get cancer. 
If I just live and do my devotionals every morning, my kids won't, won't have trials or problems. And when, when life happens, we get angry with God because we think that somehow God owes you because you've kept all the laws. You've been so moral. You've done everything right. Yeah, you did everything right, but you did it for the wrong reasons. You can do everything right, but do it for the wrong reasons and still miss God. Just because you're doing what he, told you, what, you, what he told you to do doesn't mean that you're doing it for the reason that he told you to do it. Come on, you're living right for yourself. You're not living right for God. You're living right for yourself so that in, when in the moment you can get God's favor. Remember, I did everything right. I followed all the rules. Now give me an A on the test. Rich young ruler goes to him. He says, God, I followed all the laws. I've done everything right. Now show me what the next thing is. So you think your performance somehow earns you a sitting with God. And it doesn't come from your performance. I, I'll never forget, I was getting ready to preach one Sunday. And y'all, it was one of those weeks I hadn't studied like I should, hadn't prayed like I should, hadn't prepared like I should. And honestly, I'm going to the stage and I'm about to preach God's word and I'm just not prepared. And I feel guilty. And I find myself, even as a seasoned preacher, I'm praying this prayer to God. I said, God, I'm so unworthy today. I'm so unworthy. I hadn't studied like I should. I hadn't prayed like I should. Now I'm about to go speak to your people, God. I am so unworthy this week. God, I'm so unworthy today. And God says, Albert, when you studied all week, you were still unworthy. When you prayed all week, you were still unworthy. Your prayers and your study isn't what makes you worthy to come in my presence. Your performance isn't what makes you worthy to come in my presence. You know what makes you worthy? My grace makes you worthy. You get to come not because of what you do, but because of what I have done. It is my grace. It's not your alarm clock that woke you up this morning. It's the grace of God. It's not your breath that got breath in your body. It's the grace of God. You're able to sit here, smile, and look at my black self because of the grace of God. It's the grace of God that you're here. You didn't get yourself here. The grace of God got you here. So it's not about your performance. It's not about your investment and your ability to do it. It ain't your money. It ain't your wealth. It's not your gifts. It's not your ability. It's the grace of God. And you need to know this relationship is not going to be a performance-based relationship. It's going to be a grace-based relationship. God's not impressed with your overachievement. Somehow we just think we, got, we just impress God. God, look at what I did. And you bring it before him and then you want him to bless it. It's not that you don't want God's hand. You want God's hand on top of your hand. Did, did you get that? That was good. Let me say that again. It's not that you don't want his hand. You just want his hand on top of yours. God, look what I did. Now, if you could just hold up what I did and make sure nothing bad happens to it, I'd be, I'd be thankful. Look at this woman I found. Now, if you could just keep her from not going crazy, then maybe we could get married in two years. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here's the problem with the woman. You found her and not God. So now you want God to bless what you went out and got. Hello, somebody. I know some of you can't clap too loud because you brought her to church this morning. And you're, a little, you're like, oh, oh, Lord, oh. But we, we think God's going to be impressed with what we found. 
And God is like, oh, you, oh, that's cute. That's impressive. Oh, oh, that's sweet. Well, well here, here's what I did. You want, you want to see something impressive? You heard of the Grand Canyon? That's me. That's, that's what I did. That's, that, that should impress you, right? We, we've got this dangerous approach. It's kind of like um, one of my favorite shows is The Voice. It's a talent show, but it's based off of... Um, it's based off of just singing, not your looks or not the whole package. It's, it's, they want it to just be raw and just... So, so the singers come out, and they come out, and unlike these other shows, like American Idol or the Gong Show, depends on what generation you're from, um, <laughs> the judges in these shows are watching you perform, not the voice. As a matter of fact, they're performing to the backs of the judges. The judges are sitting in chairs... And if you perform extremely well, they'll hit a button and turn around. So they are literally performing to the backs of people. And they're performing with all they got in hopes that if they do good enough, if they sing well enough, then the chair will turn around and they'll be seen. Y'all, they be on there. I'm telling you, they be giving it their whole life. They be putting everything in it. And I, I will always love you. Like, like they be giving it all they got just praying, Lord Jesus, please, chair, turn around. And if they do it well enough, then a chair will turn around. That works great on the voice, but it does not work in the kingdom. You don't have to perform for God hoping that he'll turn his chair around. He turned his chair around over 2,000 years ago. He already saw you. He already knows you. He already loves you. When I tell you he turned his chair around, he turned his chair around before you even got on the stage, before you was a hope in your mother's eye and a lust in your daddy's flesh. He already had a plan for you. He already had a purpose for you. He already knew your name. His chair is already turned around and he sees you. He loves you. He knows you and he has a purpose for your life. You don't have to perform for him. All you got to do is praise him. And when you praise him, you will experience the fullness of all that he has for you. His chair's already turned around. He already sees you. It's not your wealth. It's not your stuff. It's not your performance. It's not what you do. The gospel ain't about what you do. It's about what Christ has done. So you can take off the tap shoes. Put the performing down. God says, you don't have to perform for me. Just live for me. Just live for me. He gives you a new identity, and then he calls you to live into this new grace. This not performance-based grace, but a grace-based. That it's by his grace that you have full access to all that he is. No more dots. No more stars. His presence and his glory covers it all. Covers it all. Covers it all. Finally, then he says he's got to discover the new source. You see it, the rich young ruler, he walks away. Because the reality is he believed in his stuff more than he believed in God. 
He never said it with his mouth, but he said it with his hands because he was holding it and he refused to let it go. Jesus gives him an invitation to walk away from your stuff and follow me. But because he had invested so much in his stuff, not financial investment, heart investment, he had believed so much in his stuff. And here's the thing. His stuff isn't satisfying him. Because if his stuff was satisfying, he wouldn't be here begging, asking Jesus for more. He desires more. He's not satisfied. I got all this stuff and I'm still empty. I've got all this stuff and I'm still not satisfied. I got all this stuff and I'm still longing for more. And he comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, there's got to be more than just this. There's got to be something more. I've kept the law since I was a boy, but it's still not enough. There must be something more. And he's coming to Jesus because he's not satisfied, because his stuff is not satisfying him. And some of you are sitting here today, and you got a whole lot of stuff, but you're not satisfied. Don't let your stuff get in the way from the fullness of what God wants to put in your life. He wants to satisfy you. He's holding his stuff. But this stuff ain't satisfying him. It's like this. Come, come, Jared, would you come here? Help, help me out, Jared. Help me out. I got, I got on this table. I just got a whole bunch of stuff. And it represents the stuff. Jared, you're going to be the rich young ruler. Um, I don't know how much you get paid at Willow, but, but it would just stretch. I don't know if you're rich or what. But here's, here's a bunch of stuff. And here, let me give you some more stuff because that ain't enough. Let me give you some more. There you go. That's, yeah, just let that rest on your face. Yeah, there you go. He's got, now watch this, he's got an abundance of stuff, but he's not satisfied. All that stuff, he's still saying, Jesus, I still lack something. What is this eternal life thing? There's more, there's more than what I just have. Jesus says, yeah. But here's the problem. He, comes, he tries to come to Jesus with this stuff. He comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, come on, receive it. Here, receive all my love. Come on, wrap your arms around me. Come on, give me. Y'all see this little feeble attempt? Look at this little weak hand. Look at this. He can barely, look at, look at. He's trying to, come on, get in there. And some of us, this is us. We're saying, Jesus, I want more. Come into my life. I'm missing something. Jesus, I'm not satisfied. Come on more. And Jesus is like, here I am. My arms are wide open. It's not that I'm, it's not that Jesus is distant. It's not that he's not willing. He's sitting there, arms wide open. He says, come on, Jared, come on, come on, come on. Wrap your arms around. Let me wrap my, let my. But you can't get the fullness of his love because your stuff is in the way. The stuff is in the way and you refuse to let it go. You try to love God through your stuff. You try to worship through your stuff. Some of you come to, come to church every week carrying all this stuff and you wonder why you can't worship. It's not because the worship team ain't connecting because you got so much stuff you can't connect. Go ahead, worship, Jared. Here I am to worship. Come on, lift your hands. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You can't, you can't. He got too much stuff. He got too much stuff. And you're so in love with your stuff, God is not trying to be a coal a, a, a co-inhabitant with you and your stuff. He ain't trying to move in with your stuff. Mm. And some of you got your stuff and you want to kind of add Jesus to your stuff. Mm. You want your stuff plus Jesus. And Jesus said, there ain't enough room. There's not enough room. So 
Because when I come in, I come to take over. I didn't die on the cross to share space with your stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying? But some of us, we get these bad, we come to church with our stuff, and Jesus asking us to surrender, and we surrender for about an hour and 15 minutes until service is over. We come to church with our stuff. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week. And we go home with our stuff. Come back to worship the next week. Come, oh, that sermon was great. Wait till my, me and my stuff hear this sermon again. And then you go back home with your stuff. And then some of you, you, you three guys, would y'all come help me out real quick? Come up on the stage. All three of you guys. Yeah, yeah. Some of you, you get other people involved. You start sending out prayer requests. You send out an email to the whole life group. You say to the life group, would y'all come? Guys, help me. I'm, I just come help me carry this stuff. Would y'all come around? Help me pray. Help me pray. I've been praying about it for a long time. And now you got them praying with your stuff. And then taking your stuff right back home again. You didn't got other people involved in the conspiracy theory now. Look at you. And they're all praying over your stuff, helping you carry your stuff, when Jesus just said, why don't you just surrender your stuff? Why don't you just let it go? The reality is, your stuff is the source, not your savior. And you want God to help you carry your stuff when God did say, didn't say, I'm going to come to help you carry your stuff. I'm going to come to help you get rid of the stuff. I'm going to release it. Because it's hard to carry stuff when your arms are filled with holding me. Thank you, guys. Thank you. This is, this is what he wanted them to do. Here's the problem. Jared is a strong guy. He'll never admit this, but homeboy's getting tired. <laughs> Can I just tell you this stuff? Started off light. This is cute. Now, it ain't got heavy on a brother. I can hear him, he's breathing heavier. There's a bead of sweat starting to trickle down. But some of you, that's you. You've been carrying her for a long time and it's starting to get heavy. And it's starting to tell on you. Your faith isn't as strong as it used to be. Your tears are coming more often because you're holding something that's heavy and you refuse to put it down because you've been so committed to your way that you've refused Yahweh. Oh, y'all see what I did there? See what I did there? This is what he wants him to do. Come on, come on. This is what the rich young ruler should have done. He says, come to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is making you an offer. Get rid of your stuff. Put your stuff down, and I'll give you the full treasure. Come in here for the full treasure. Come in here for the full treasure. This is the full treasure of what God wants to do. Some of you, you're holding stuff. If you put it down, God is saying, come on in for the fullness of my glory. Come on in for the fullness of my purpose for your life. Put it away and come into the fullness of the glory that I have for you. You're living beneath your privilege. You are better than this. Come into the glory. That's what he says. Come into the glory. When you, when you put it away, you can experience the fullness what God has for you. It's not about you carrying that. It's about me carrying you. It's about me carrying you. And if you trust me, I'm going to remove the labels that have been put on you. You are not who they said you are. You are who I called you to be. And in that, I'm going to give you a new grace. You ain't got to perform to get me to turn my head. My head was turned before you even had a head. 
I've been watching you since the beginning of time, and i got a purpose for you. I've got a plan for you. I want to use you for my glory. Now come and allow me to be your source. Allow me to lead your way, and I will be the source of all that you need. Don't you allow the treasures, don't you allow your stuff, don't you allow your money to get in the way of what's absolutely invaluable and priceless, and that is the presence of the Lord for his glory. Amen. All over the room, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I'm going to take a little time here. If you're in this room and you say, Albert, if I'm going to be honest, I've got an unhealthy relationship with money. I've got an unhealthy relationship with my things. If that's you, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. If that's you, just stand up right where you are. I've got an unhealthy relationship with my money. I fear that it gets in the way of who God's called me to be. If you're in this room and you say, Albert, I'm wearing labels. I'm wearing labels that came from this world and not from my God. And I'm living into the labels. I'm living into who people think I should be. I'm living into who I think I ought to be. When I really should be living into who God created me to be. And that's his glory. If that's you, jump on your feet. Just stand right now. I'm allowing other people's words and other people's labels to mark me in ways that cause me to live for them and not him. If you're in here and you say, Albert, I'm a performer. If I was to tell the truth, I perform in my Bible study, I perform in my worship, I perform. I perform hoping that God sees me, that he sees my good works and that he'd give me a blessing that he'd keep me because of my performance. And I'm not saying you don't have to do the same thing, but I'm saying you can do the same thing before a different reason. Stop doing your Bible study for yourself and do it for your God, knowing that the grace is already there. He already sees you. My daughter, he already sees you. My son, he already sees you. My sister, he already sees you. My brother, he already sees you. You don't have to perform for him. Just love him. Just live for him. His chair is already turned. So if you're in this room and you're a performer, you're a performer and you feel like you've just been trying to get his attention, you've been trying to just get him to turn his head, if that's you, just stand up on your feet knowing that he already sees you. He sees your tears. He heard your cry. And he's come to see about you. Put down the performance. Open those arms and receive the love of your father. It's been waiting on you. You thought you were waiting on it? No, it's been waiting on you. If that's you and you're a performer, just stand on your feet. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. God, I need you to do a new thing in my life. I want to walk in my new identity that only comes in Christ. I want to live according to a grace that's not on my performance, but it's based on his love. 
and I want to rely on a new source. It's not my check from the job. It's not my gifted. Not my giftings. But Jesus Christ, you are my source. All over this room where you're standing, would you just lift your hands up, stretch them, stretch them towards the sky. It's an external sign of what I hope to be an internal reality. Your soul is saying, I surrender. Your heart is saying, I surrender. Your mind is saying, I surrender. God, we surrender all. We invite you into this space. Father, may our lives be marked by an identity that comes from Christ and Christ alone. May we walk in a grace that's based off of what you have done. Not what we do, but Jesus, what you have done. We live according to that grace, not on our performance, but Jesus, your performance. Over 2,000 years ago, you died on Calvary's cross. So on a day like today, we can be free. And who the Son said, free is free indeed. And with our new freedom, we plug into the source, the only source that'll never fail, the well that will never run dry, the bread of life that would always provide sustenance. Jesus Christ, you never fail. So we tap into the source that'll never fail. Our families will fail. Our monies will fail. Our gifts will fail. Our bodies will fail. Our friends will fail. But Jesus never fails. So we tap into the source that never fails. Jesus, you be my rock. Jesus, you be my source. Jesus, you be my all in all. I plug in to your glory. I plug in to your power. I plug in to your love because your love never fails. Your glory never fails. Your power never fails. So Jesus, thank you for being a God that'll never fail me. You are my source, my Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. I give it to you in the name of Jesus. Everybody shout it. Amen. Amen. Give God glory in this place. Thank you, God, for your power. Come on, worship him in this place. God, we thank you. We thank you for a new identity. We thank you for a new grace. And we thank you for your power. You are the source. 